Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Open to the book of Genesis, chapter 14. And I'm going to preach something that has been on my heart. I'll make mention this shortly. Since last Sunday morning, just I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. Genesis chapter 14, beginning at verse 14. Hopefully you've got your Bible. I promised for years to come in and preach heresy one Sunday and just see how many of you pick up on it. I'd probably have two or three people amen in me the whole time. That'd be terrible. I wouldn't want to embarrass anybody. Genesis 14, beginning at verse 14. Now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, and sometimes in the Bible it'll use one form of a family member to describe something. This is actually talking about Lot, his nephew, but it's okay. This is something they did in that culture. He armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. And so he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba. By the way, how many of you have learned that after God gives you a great victory and you're on a high, the devil will show up? Because if you know anything about Sodom, the king of Sodom sure wasn't any saint. And this king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley, after his return from the de- defeat of Chidor Laomer. I dare somebody to name their child that. <clears throat> Chidor Laomer and the kings who were with him, and then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, El Elyon. I love that in the Hebrew. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And look how Abraham responded, and he gave him a tithe. It's the first time the word tithe is found in the Bible. And he gave him a tithe of all. Thank you. You can be seated. You've been standing a while. I'm going to preach this morning. You can trust God with your finances. So I'm going to talk about finances today, but that's part of discipleship. Last Sunday, if you weren't here, man, you missed out because we had as our guest the Lee University Symphonic Band, and they led us in worship, and it was tremendous. It was powerful, but at one point, they played a piece titled Abram's Pursuit, and Dr. Bailey, the director of the symphonic band, explained to us that a man by the name of David Holsinger, who was the composer, wrote this based on the passage that I just read to you, Genesis 14. And if you were here last week, it was one of my favorite pieces. It was incredibly difficult, and it sounded like the score from a major motion picture. And you could imagine Abram's troops going after pursuing this army to, to rescue his, uh, his, his nephew. And, and last Sunday, and you got to understand, God deals with pastors, preachers in different ways. Last Sunday, as I was sitting over here enjoying and the music and, and the ministry and worshiping God, the Lord just dealt with me so strongly as they were doing, playing that. God already dealt with me a week ago, sitting here, I want you to preach on that next Sunday. 
So I've known for a week what it is that God wanted me to preach. They played the song, but the Lord wanted me to bring the message to you about that, that score. And so let me do that to you today. And I'm going to try to try to help us understand and hopefully help us to be better disciples of Jesus, especially when it comes with our finances, our billfold, our purse, our checkbook, our, 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 our material things. So here's the story. Four kings, and their names are on the screen because uh, they're difficult to, to, to look at and read because they're not familiar to us. Four kings combine their armies in an alliance. And is it okay if I just don't read these? I can, but there they are, okay? There they are. And, and so you can look at them. They're there in the Bible. And these four kings became a, with their armies became a mighty military force. By the way, I love the names of these kings because they sound like something straight out of Lord of the Rings. King Ariok is fighting the orcs. Anyway, and so, and so that's what it sounds like. And so you've got these four kings, they comprise this tremendous force. They defeated everybody they fought. Nobody could stand up to them, okay? At one point, they attacked and defeated five kings and their armies. And so let me throw theirs, those up here. So there they are, Bera and Bersha and Shinab and remember, Shemeber and some unnamed king. So there they are, but you see Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? And the four kings and their armies battled the five kings and their armies. And the four kings and their armies soundly defeated the five kings and their armies. And for 12 years, they were under the rule and reign of Chedor Laomer. Evidently, he was the guy in charge. In the 13th year of this suppression by these four kings, and particularly King Chedor Laomer, they rose up. These five kings rose up in rebellion and went to battle with the four kings again. See, it does sound like something out of Lord of the Rings. But once again, the four kings, as we say down south, whooped the five kings. They got whooped. They were defeated in battle. Now, after the battle, the soldiers of the four armies do what armies do. They plundered the cities, the five cities that these, because usually the kings were like, they were, they were kings over cities in the surrounding area. And so they plundered the cities. And as you can see, one of them is Sodom. Well, guess who decided foolishly to move to Sodom? Lot. And so he and his family and all his possessions were there. Well, then this army comes in, takes them captive, his family and all of his possessions. He was pretty wealthy. Takes all that wealth and carries them off into captivity, taking them off back to, to, to another land and, uh, and now they're captives. Someone escaped and came and told Abraham what had happened. And so we read this in the story, in the text rather, that he gathers his 318 trained men, which means they must have been trained for battle, and he pursues this army of four kings. And it's a big army, and there are a lot more of soldiers in that army than he has with his 318, but he doesn't care, and he goes after them. And this is where David Holsinger's score comes into play. And last week, we could hear the, the camel's who's clopping and you could just with the music and the rush you could just you could just feel like they're rushing as fast as they can to chase down this army and that's what we were experiencing last week 
Abraham catches up with the army and attacks them. He, he, divide, he does the very thing you're not supposed to do. He divides his small group into three groups, which makes them even weaker, but he divides them into three groups. So there's like 100, 106, 106, 106, and they attack this massive army, and somehow, I'll get to that, somehow, let me say this, miraculously, they defeat him. Is there something wrong? We're good, all right. Man, when the music pastor walks out when I'm preaching, I get worried. And, and so somehow miraculously defeats uh, this massive military force, and he liberates Lot and his family, and Lot's possessions were restored to him. And, and then they come back to where they live. All right, everybody got the story? Got the story. That's the story. All right, laid the background. It's always easier to understand the Bible when you lay the background. Now, let me stop right here and preach. I think it's safe to say that Abraham worked hard for the plunder that he got because not only did he liberate Lot and his family, but all that plunder that was taken, guess who took it? Guess who got it? He did. He was already wealthy, but boy, by now, this, this took him to a whole nother tax bracket. He's got all this wealth. He worked hard for it, didn't he? He worked hard for it. And we would say that he took a risk. When you're putting a sword in your hand and another guy's got a sword trying to kill you and you're fighting, I would say you're taking a risk. He took a risk, but he got a great return on it, didn't he? But here's reality. And it's not stated blatantly in the scriptures, but it's there. And you have to recognize this. Do you think Abraham did that and won that battle all by himself? No. See, y'all are biblical, spiritual people. You know. It's there. It's there. He didn't do that. God helped him. God supernaturally helped him. So words that I just want to throw out to you, phrases. He worked hard. He took a risk. Got a great return. But the Lord helped him. Got it? Okay. You work hard. Those of you who are employed, you work hard each week for your paycheck. I know I do. And you work hard, you get your paycheck. Some of you are investors. Some of you have invested in the stock market. Some of you invest in your own business. Some of you loan money to people because you have that capability, so you loan money for endeavors they're trying with interest. They pay you back the money, and, and then you get interest, so you get money. Some of you are good at that, all right? That's a risky business. So stay with me here. If you work a job, you work hard. If you invest, you take a risk. And a lot of you get a return. When you get paid once a week, twice a month, you know, however that works, you, you get a return. When you, when you make a good investment, you get a return, right? And it's a good feeling. When you work hard and you get your paycheck, it's a good feeling when you've made an investment and then you get your return on the investment. You sell a piece, you buy a piece of property, you sell it for more, and then you get the, the, the net on it, the gain. It's a good feeling, isn't it? And if you're not careful, you might say, I did this. This was my doing. Boy, how smart I am, how wise I am, how sharp I am. I'm good at this. I did this. 
You got to be careful. Now, it's true, you did work to get your paycheck, and it's true that you did make the investment. But reality and the Bible remind us that God helped you, and God blessed you. See, that's fun when it was Abraham, but now I'm getting in your stuff. This is one of them pull up your toes in your shoes Sunday, and I haven't even got to the good part yet. God helped you. Why do you think you have that job? God gave you that job. Well, I applied. You applied, but they could have turned you down. We've been through recessions. They could have fired you. You could have got a pink slip. You could have been demoted. Your company could have been bought out by somebody else, and they let you go. Do you want me to continue? Okay, those of you who own your own business, why is your business making it when four other guys or gals that are in the same field, their businesses have gone under, but yours seems to be thriving? A miraculous. That's it, miraculous. God is blessing you. You have to understand that whatever you have, Melchizedek said to Abraham, God is the possessor of heaven and earth. It ain't yours. It's all his. Are you getting it? I'm helping your theology today. So I want to share three important verses that clarify this, lest you think I'm just making this up. They're on the screen, Proverbs 10, 22. Let me do some teaching right here. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Rich is not becoming like Bill Gates. That's not what this is talking about. It means having an increase in your finances. Okay, so when you get your paycheck, you get a little richer. All right? So that's what it's talking about. How does it happen? The blessing of the Lord's what makes that happen. And he has no sorrow with it. Let me take you to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God. Don't you forget God in all this endeavor. Don't you forget God. Are you seeing this? I'm trying to preach to you here. Don't you forget God when you're making that investment. Don't you forget God as you're working hard at work. You shall remember the Lord your God. Don't take him out of the equation, for it is he who gives you power. And in the Hebrew, that word means capability or abilities to get wealth. It's he who gives you that capability. It's he who gives you that ability, that power. Ecclesians 5.19 Ecclesiastes, rather, 519. Ecclesiastes 519. As for every man to whom God has given riches. Who's given the riches? God. For every person to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him the power, the ability, again, the capability to eat of it, to receive his heritage, his portion, and to rejoice in his labor. Supposed to be labor. I didn't do that. What does the last line say? Everybody read it with me. This is the gift. Are you seeing it? If my life is in his hands and my times are in his hands and he is not only his savior, but he is my Lord. He's my leader. He's my king. I don't have a problem at all, at all. Saying, God, whatever I have in this life, However hard I worked for it, whatever risk I took, God, I ultimately know my life and times are in your hands and the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And you guide me every day and, you're, and, and the blessings of the Lord are on me constantly. 
And I just understand, Lord, I know I worked hard. I know I did, but God, the reality is everything I have has come from you. So Abraham comes back, has all this wealth. He's the hero. He's fought this miraculous battle, rescued Lot. And upon his return, this very unusual figure, person, appears on the scene. A person by the name of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the priest of God. So there was no priesthood at the time. But yet God was calling people in that patriarchal period. This predates the Levitical Aaronic priesthood that you read about in, in, in Leviticus and Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and all through. This predates that. But God would call men to serve as his priest. This guy was one of them. He was not only a priest, but he was a king, the king of Salem. Salem means peace in Hebrew. So he's a king and a priest. And he comes out to meet Abraham after this great victory that he's achieved by God's help with all this plunder. And he has, strangely enough, not figs and dates and water. He has bread and wine. Does that sound familiar to anybody here? Yeah. Sounds like something that happens in communion. And he brings that out to refresh Abraham and to give it to him, and then he speaks a blessing over Abram. The man of God. How many of you know when the man of God speaks a blessing over you, it's, they're, they're not empty words. This is, the, this is an act of God through the man of God. God is blessing Abraham. And in response... Abraham gives out of the plunder a tithe to him. Now, who is this guy? The book of Hebrews tells us that Melchizedek is a type or a symbol of Jesus Christ, who is our great high priest and who is the prince of peace. And it is through the Eucharist, through communion, through the blood and the wine, and we use grape juice, but the fruit of the vine that we see Christ, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, the death of Christ. It is a symbol of his atoning work for us and a representation of his atoning work. And we know that daily, come on, y'all, God blesses you, right? How many of y'all blessed by Jesus daily? Go ahead and admit it. Morning by morning, new mercies I see, great is thy faithfulness. And so this is definitely a type of Jesus Christ. And Abraham takes 10% of this massive amount of wealth and he gives it to the man of God as a gift to God. Now, what is tithing? Let me talk about that for a minute. I haven't talked about preach tithing in a long, 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 long time. So let me just talk about tithing. Tithing, I believe, is God's financial plan for ministry. For ministry. And it literally means one-tenth. It's 10%. And the concept is simple, that when you work, you take, when you get the gain, which for you is a paycheck, you take 10% of that and you give it to God. And if you make an investment and you get a return, you give it to God. It's, it's very simple. Whatever gains in your life, if you get a birthday gift, if you get $40 is a birthday gift. You don't have to tithe on that. That's a gift. 
Okay, that's somebody just blessing you with a gift. But if you earn it, if you work for it, then you take that and you give it to the Lord. And by the way, let me just touch on this. Why did, God, why did Abraham give 10%? Why not 2%? Why not 5%? Why not 7%? Why did he, why did he give 10%? Here's the answer. Because I'm convinced that from the beginning of time, God established tithing from the beginning of time. You go back to Cain and Abel. So you got Adam and Eve, and now you got Cain and Abel. There are four people on the earth. And Cain and Abel are told by God to bring offerings to him. They didn't do it on their own. God instructed them to bring offerings. Cain was instructed and did what he was told, brought the firstborn of his flock. He didn't wait till he got a hundred of them and then said, well, now I got a good, now all my bases are covered financially. Now I'll think about giving something to the Lord. It was an act of faith and it was an act of obedience and he took the first one and he gave it to the Lord, the first. Cain, pull your toes up in your shoes, a few of you. Cain was the one who said, I'll give you what I want. I'll give you how much I want. Because I have pastored people through the years that have got a theology that says, well, I'll just give the Lord what I want to give him, or I'll give the Lord what I think I can give him. Well, you pay all your bills and wait to the end of the month, and you ain't got that much left over, and your faith is shot. You don't have to amen me, but I'll help you. You do it first. You know the first thing I do when I get paid? I give my tithe. I've told you for years, I want it out of my checking account. That's God's. I don't want it. Get it out. And if you don't get it out, then you're tempted to spend it. That's good preaching, Pastor. That's really good preaching. That's good preaching, Pastor. You just, Pastor, why can't you just come in here and tickle our ears? Because that's not what I do. Abel didn't give an offering based on what was left at the end of the month. Cain did, and it was sin. So, and by the way, it opened up, it opened up his life to the work of the devil, and it became murder. And it's amazing how you will attack preachers who preach like this or people who give tithe because you don't, and so you get guilty, and so you go after them and attack them. So Abraham gave tithe to Melchizedek, and Hebrew says he is a symbol of Jesus. So in a sense, Abram gave his tithe to Jesus. Now let me help you here with this. So many people misunderstand tithing because they think you give the tithe to the church. I give the tithe to my church. No, let me help you here. You bring the tithe to the church so you can give it to Jesus. Did you get that? God said in Malachi, bring all my tithe into the storehouse. This is where you bring it, but it's my tithe. You getting it? So you bring, that's why I've told you through the years, there have been people that got mad at the church, little churches will do this. They get mad at the church. They get mad at the preacher. And if they're one of the top tithe payers, they got a little power because the whole little church depends on them. And so that guy will say, well, I'm not, I don't like this preacher. I'm mad at it. I'm just going to hold my tithe. 
because they're wanting to hurt the preacher and they're wanting to hurt the church and they're wielding power, which is incredibly carnal and it's even sinful. The, th- the thing is, you're not holding the, t- yeah, yeah, you say, well, I am holding the tithe. You are, but what you're doing is you're holding it from God. So you just shut the windows of heavens and instead of being blessed, now you're cursed. One amen, praise God, hallelujah. So when you bring your tithe to the church, and even if you do it electronically like I do, you're still bringing it to the church, but you're giving it to God. It is an act of worship. And I'm gonna beat up on Abraham for a minute, but let me give him some credit because he's called the father of the faith and he acted in faith when he gave the, the tithe to Melchizedek. He was releasing a lot of wealth to that priest. It was a lot, y'all. It was a big tithe check. But he was, that moment, he's caught up in the moment. Evidently, Melchizedek just preached on tithing, so he's fired up. He trusted that he was obeying God. He's doing the right thing. Let me just say this before I start beating up on Abraham a little bit. Tithing is an act of faith. You have to trust that God knows your finances. Do you think God knows your finances? Do you think he knows your bills? Do you think he knows your debt? Do you think he knows how much is in your saving account if you have a savings account? Okay, do you think he knows your financial obligations? Do you think he knows your needs? Okay, you have to trust that he will take the remaining 90% and do something with it that makes it work beyond its own inherent ability and value to operate as if it's 110% or 20% or 30%. When you give God the tithe, you should do so with the satisfaction and confidence that you are obeying your heavenly Father and with the faith and confidence that he will take care of you. Now, I got to beat up on Abraham. I don't know what happened to the cat. I don't. Something happened to the dude. I think I know what it is. Just look at the Bible and stare at it. Sometimes you get, begin to understand. But Abraham writes this big tithe check, gives it to the priest. He goes off and takes that money, that plunder, and off he goes back doing ministry. And Abraham's standing there. Have you ever had buyer's remorse? I did that with a boat one time. I got that sucker home and I couldn't get it in the garage. I thought, oh God, what have I done? I think he had tither's remorse. This man who was fearless in battle against a superior force, he's swinging a sword and killing an enemy, gets rattled when he has to cut a tithe check and put it in the offering plate. Pull your toes up in your shoes. And you say, well, what do you mean? What do you mean he was afraid, Pastor? Because God shows up. Because, see, we have chapters in our Bible. Chapter 14 goes to chapter 15. Chapters aren't in the Bible. That, like, they weren't in the original manuscripts. When we translate the Bible, we put chapters in there to break it up so we can read it. But chapter 14 goes right into chapter 15. So you just got to keep reading. And God shows up in a vision, and the first thing he says to Abraham is, do not be afraid. 
What's wrong with you, Abram? And he moved from faith and confidence in God suddenly to doubt and fear. And, and I think it's because he went, what have I done? That was, that was a lot of money. I just let go. And, and I put this in my notes. Some people can take risk in so many areas of life. And if you think about it, you can loan money to someone and you'll trust a human being that they will repay the money with interest. You know where I'm going, don't you? So why is it that you're afraid to tithe to give God when God is faithful and God will not swindle you and God won't file bankruptcy on you and God won't leave town with your money. God will take and bless you. See, we have faith in all kinds of things. Why can't we have faith with this? Why is it people are afraid to tithe? Why was Abraham afraid to God? I think he started looking at the zeros. That's a lot of money. What have I done? When I, when I was studying, I thought about a story that my father told me when he pastored. Um, he said there was a couple in his church that did, they, they, they didn't make a lot of money, but they, they did okay, and God blessed them. Because how many know God blessed And they would tithe. God blessed them, took care of them. And in the course of time, in God's favor and blessing as you're faithful, God blessed them, and he got a promotion and, and some major pay raises, and they were making more money they'd ever made that they could ever imagine. Now they're doing good. Their standard of living is shot up. And they're have well, here's what happened. They looked where they had been writing a much smaller tithe check every week. Now they got to add a zero. Now, now, now it's going higher. Now they got to go up another three digits, whatever. Now it's a big, and they went, whoa, wait a minute, whoa. We got to pay 10% an hour because we've had this, and they, they wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. It's like, no way. We can't let go of that money. So they, they stopped tithe. They could tithe when they made less. They get blessed, and it's, too, it's just too many zeros. That's too many, too many digits. And they said, no, they didn't. And all of a sudden, they started having all of these problems financially and all of these struggles. And my dad couldn't say anything to him. It wasn't where he could say anything to him, but dad knew what was going on. And finally one day they came and said, Brother Sistar, we just don't know what's going on. We're making more money than we've ever had before. We can't hardly make ends meet. We just don't understand. And dad bit his tongue because he's thinking, I know why. If you'd open up your spirit, let me talk to you. I can tell you why. Because you quit giving God what was his. All because you're making more. Pull your, pull your toes up. So you're not done yet? Nope. I'll get you shouting in a minute. God blessed Abraham through the ministry of Melchizedek, the ministry of the man of God. And Abraham gladly received God's blessings, didn't he? Did he turn down the wine and the bread? Did he, did he tell Melchizedek, I don't have time for you? Oh, no, this was the man of God. I mean, there weren't preachers on every corner like down here in the good old south. There weren't a lot of men of God, priests of God. Here he shows up, man. This is like, it's like Billy Graham walking in, you know. Oh, he's right up under him, talking to him, shaking his hand, getting selfies made, posting it on the 
Canaanite internet. I want to bless you, Abraham. Oh, yes, I'll take a blessing. He's taking all the blessings he can get. <laughs> I, I just thought, let's be honest. You love your church, and I'm not talking to everybody. A lot of you are faithful, but just the shoe fits. I'm trying to help you, I'm not trying to beat you up, I'm trying to help you. But just sometimes you got to stare in the mirror and see things the way they are. You love your church, you love your pastors. You love the ministries, you love the preaching, you love the teaching, you love the children's ministry, you love the student ministry, youth ministry, you love all the adult ministries, growth track, life group, the small groups, the large, the, the life groups, you, you, growth track. you love it all. You love coming here each week. You're blessed here. You feel the Holy Ghost. We try to preach the word to you and help you so you can go out of here and live for the Lord. We try every week. The church is blessing you. God is blessing you through his church. But let's be honest, there are some folks I've pastored through the years, don't know if there's somebody here, because there might be, I'm not thinking of anybody, but sometimes we come to church and all of this, and we love the getting, but we struggle with the giving. And God protects you and blesses you and helps you and answers your prayers and guides you and he saved you and he's forgiven you and when you sit and mess up, come crawling back, he forgives you and washes you again and he gives 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 and he gives. The least we can do is give to him and obedience and gratitude. So God shows up and speaks to Abraham. I'm coming to a close. And he said, Abraham, your fear is baseless. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. So I'm gonna finish fast. Shields protect, right? Shields protect. That's the whole point. God said, give the tithe. I'm gonna protect you financially. I'll keep blessing you. I can replace everything you just gave away to Melchizedek and more. I'll protect you. The Bible says that God only is your shield, but he's your buckler. This is Psalm 18, I think it is. It says he's your buckler. You know what a buckler is? It's a small shield for close hand-to-hand -hand combat. And I thought whether I'm in a small financial crisis or I'm facing a major financial challenge, I don't have to worry because in the little things and in the big things, in the little bills and in the big bills, in my little investments and in the big investments, God will always protect me. And he said, I'm your exceedingly great reward. You know what that reward is? It's compensation, your wages. God said, there we go again. I'm your wages. I'm your compensation. And I'm exceedingly great. In other words, there it is once again. God will take care of you and he'll supply your needs and he'll make sure that you have enough and more than enough. I want to close with this story. I've told this story on and off through the years. Some of you probably never heard it. There was a wonderful couple who came to church here years ago and they're still my friends. I pastored them for quite a number of years and they are my friends. They're good people. These are good people, good people. But at the particular time when they were here with me, they had a young family. I preached on tithing. I preached like this one Sunday. 
and the, and the gentleman, I'm not going to tell you their name, but the gentleman, the husband, got mad at me. Got mad at me. I'm challenging people to just do what the word of the Lord says. I haven't even gone to Malachi where it says, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. That's kind of a command. And I didn't, I just, but I preached like this. He got mad. He's, he's, he's my friend. He got mad. Made an appointment. Came in my office. Mad. I said, what's wrong with you? I'm, I'm upset. What are you upset about? I'm upset with you. I said, what did I do? He said, well, you preach Sunday. I said, okay. I do that every week. And he said, you preached on tithing. I said, I do that. So what's the problem? I didn't like it. Well, why don't you like it? It's the word of God. No, that's not why I don't like it. I, then he confessed. I can't pay tithe. I said, okay. Why not? We got a family. We got bills. If I give 10% of what we make, we couldn't make it. I said, you really believe that? He said, yes, I know. I know what we owe. He said, we couldn't do it. He said, you're up there trying to tell me I need to pay the tithe to God, making me, I was thinking, feel convicted. But I was tender with him as a shepherd is with a sheep. I just let him talk. He's, he's, see, he's wrestling with it. He's, I'm not the one wrestling with the issue. He's wrestling with the issue. He needed to win this battle. So I just let him keep working through it. And after he kind of worked through it, I said, okay, let me ask you a question. Can you do something? He said, what do you mean? I said, can you give 2%? 3%? Can you give half up? Can you, could you do something? By this point, he had settled down a little bit. He said, yeah, I think, I think, I think we could do that. Okay, why don't, you, why don't you pick a percentage and listen to me, y'all. Listen to me. Listen to me because I'm going to say to you what I said to him. I said, why don't you make a statement to God that at least you'll do something? It's, it's faith. It's not the 10%, but why don't you do something? Can you do that? Well, that resonated with his spirit. He said, okay, all right, I, I can do that. I said, okay. Going home. I don't know. Within three months, it was a short time. He makes another appointment. It's on my calendar. He walks in. Very humble. Totally different from the from my friend before. I said, How's it going? Okay. All right. What's happening? Oh, you an apology. I said, for what? You know. I said, no, I don't know. It's going to make him tell me. <laughs> he said, I was mad at you. And I, I said, well, you were a little upset. He said, I'm sorry. I should have known. He said, I was taking it out on you. But he said, the problem was me. I said, well, I was hoping, you know, as we talked that you'd get some revelation. So he said, I did. And he said, I did what you challenged me to do. And I went, went home and I talked to my wife and we decided that we were going to do something. And we set a percentage. I don't even remember what it was. And he said, Pastor, we started giving. He said, I know it wasn't the 10%, but he said, we committed to whatever that percentage was. And we made a statement to God. And he said, when we did, since that time that I have met with you, I have had promotions 
and major pay raises, and I'm making more money now than I've ever made in my life. And he said, you help me to see it. It's because I did it God's way. And he said, I just came here today to tell you we're giving the full 10% now. We are tithing the full 10% every week. And he said, I just want to tell you thank you for teaching me about this and helping me to see it so that I can have the blessing of God on my family and my finances. I said, buddy, it was my pleasure. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Why don't you stand with me? It's hard to give an altar call with a message on tithes. <laughs> I want everybody to go to their bank account and I want you to make your way to the altar right now on your phone. <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? Come on, singers. There's a reason. And it wasn't my reason. If you said to me last week, Pastor Chris, what you going to preach on next Sunday? I think I'm going to preach on tithing. I, I, that wasn't where I wanted to go. But sitting over there a week ago today, God said, this is what you're going to preach on. So I'm just being the man of God. So if you're like my friend, you're mad at me, don't shoot the messenger. But I tell you what, if I wasn't a tither, I'd do something. I don't know what else I can say to you today. I'd do something. You know, I've had people, I've had people confess to me that make good money in this church. Husbands and wives who both work and make really good money. I'm just slack. I get that. I've had people tell me, I said, you pay your bills? I pay my bills. I'm just slack. I could do it. We, I said, you have a theological? Don't have a theological problem. Then what's the problem? What's the point? I'm just slack. I need to get it in my, I need to go put it in my bank so it comes out every week. It's just slack. So I don't think it's that people are sinful a lot of times or people are trying to be greedy because sometimes it's greed. Sometimes it's doubt. Sometimes I think it's just we're slack. I'm going to challenge you today. Do something about the slackness. If this message is for you today, then go home and get on your get on your phone, get on your banking account, however you got to do it. I do mine through my bank. The bank sends a check here, saves the church money because I don't. We have to pay a percentage when when we when you do it like on the phone, but we we're willing to pay that to facilitate people. But right there with Fort Hill Natural Gas and Duke Energy and my mortgage company and Big Creek Hammond Water is High Praises Church. On, my, on my, my page and I just go down paying the bill and I got a lot of them automated but I, but I send that one in I gotta, and some of you need to automate because you forget I me mean, I don't forget and, and sometimes you may want to give more how's that for preaching why don't you give 15% and see what happens get ready because God said, test me in this and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. There is not room enough to receive. So you just got to trust him. You may have to go open up another bank account. But if you're so small-minded, you never have been able to, nobody's ever taught you this kind of thing. You just, I can't see that, Pastor. I'm narrow-minded. I can't see that. Then let the word of God and the man of God enlarge your mind today that if you can trust God with your finances, get ready because you might have to get another bank account to put it in.
and that's not for you to be greedy and spend it on a boat and a, everything else. Yes, you can enjoy it, but God blesses us to be a blessing. Did you hear me? God blesses us to be a blessing so that you can let it go to meet people with real needs. And that's when you're the most like God. So why don't we just search our hearts and pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, normally I want to give an altar call. Normally I'm reaching out for sinners. And I know even in a tithe message, God, if there's somebody here today that's not saved, I know they can get saved right now if they'll just start praying. It doesn't have to be, I've preached Jesus today. They'll just say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. You'll save them. The message doesn't have to be directed at God. Save them from their sins. There's a backslider who wants to come home. God, right now as they quietly pray, Lord, forgive me. Take my sins away. God, restore them today. God, I, I, I remember Dr. Walker preaching one time. He said he preached on Jonah and had Noah in the ark. Or, Noah, or preached on Noah and had Jonah in the ark, the whole sermon. And man got saved. It's not always about us, God. It's about you and your word and your spirit. But Lord, with the message that I've preached today, will you help all of us, God, to trust you with our finances and to give the tithes and give the offerings. It'd be a good way to end 2023 is to start faithfully giving the tithe to God. And Lord, it's, and I don't mind praying this out loud, God, to you. You know this. I don't care. The, the, I don't mind the church knowing this, God. This is probably the, the banner year of 25 years financially in this church. The banner year of finances. Uh, at least up to this month, it, God, how you are blessing here. And so, God, this isn't about the church needing more money. Father, you know that and I know that. It is about you wanting to bless your people and use them as vessels. And so, God, I just pray. I want everybody in my church blessed. Help us all to be faithful and obedient. And then, God, see the hand of blessing in our lives so we can be a blessing. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.